Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. We bring the funny to money. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Great, man. Yeah. Great. Uh, it, it's at that weird time of the day where it's not quite appropriate to start drinking yet. So it's I not just got quite myself. noon o'clock, but... Yeah. <laughs> Got myself a water. Uh-huh. Nothing fancy. Yeah, How about you? Uh, same here. Drinking out of my Fidelity bottle from FinCon. Still. Got a lot of... <laughs> Somebody's like, oh, you're in the back pockets of Fidelity now. Yes, because I got a free water bottle at a conference. We now are... Uh, even though that you 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 bank with Fidelity. Mm. So you are in the back pockets. Um, I would love to be if they would pay <laughs> me. So Fidelity, if you're listening... Yeah. I, yeah, I'm really small. I could fit into any pocket. You are small. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah, that's that's what I'm just drinking water. Uh, today's catchphrase is "We bring the funny to money," and that was sent in by at Kevin P Davis via Twitter. And we would like you to send in your catchphrases that we say at the beginning of the show to our Twitter account. It's at Money Matters Man. And if you don't have a Twitter account, because there have been people who said that they don't have a Twitter account, and that's fine. You can send them into our Facebook page. It's Facebook.com/slash Listen Money Matters. All right, let's let's get into it. We have a guest on the show today, which is always fun. Her name is Farnoosh Tarabi, and she's a personal finance expert, a best-selling author, a TV personality, and a sought-after speaker. She is a contributing editor to Money Magazine and a frequent contributor to Daily Worth, Yahoo, The Today Show. Uh, her, the New York Times calls her advice perfectly practical. Her latest book is on Amazon. It's an Amazon number one bestseller, and it's called When She Makes More, 10 Rules for Breadwinning Women. And I want to talk to her about this. So, Farnoosh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so much fun. We've been, we, yeah, we've, uh, we've been hearing about you a lot. Uh, I've listened to you on uh, Stacking Benjamins, and I really wanted to talk to you about this. And I know, Andrew, you had a question to, to kind of fire things off here about, um, I mean, for Farnoosh. So take it away, I guess. Yeah, so uh, at FinCon, I, I watched a presentation on when she makes more, and you know, I watched her video and, and read up on some stuff, and I, I, I have I have a ton of great questions um, from myself, from my wife, but I, I want to start with maybe a, a tougher one, and I, I want to know why you think it's more difficult for women when women make more as opposed to men, and I could say that. Well, you're you're a woman, so you can understand that side, and, and I'm a man, so so I mm. I can't understand that side, but I can understand my side. Uh, but I would say that it is also difficult for men when they make more. Sure, absolutely, and it's a really great question. It's a it's a um, it's an important question to answer because ultimately it's the basis of the book. I mean, because. At first, at first glance, it may seem innocuous, you know, who makes more? It doesn't matter. Um, it's equally challenging for men and women. And that's true to some respect. But I think for women, it's it's uniquely challenging in ways um, that are not the same for men. I think, you know, as a woman, I can say that um, I feel a lot of pressure to... Um, you know, to do a lot of things. I have a lot of responsibilities and not only to bring home the bacon, but also to be the perfect wife and the perfect mother and the perfect, you know, version of myself. And I think we're, as women, you're, you know, we're raised and we're hardwired to be multitaskers. And I think that when you are um, tasked with being the breadwinner, uh, that's a huge challenge in and of itself. But I think as women, we don't, um, we don't sort of, take it easy with respect to some of these other responsibilities that we um, feel like we have to be, we have to ace, you know, whether it's 
um, being present as a mom, as a wife, as a sister, as a friend. I think, you know, we juggle all of these roles on top of the financial responsibility of being the breadwinner. And I think I, it's not, it's not a coincidence. I hear from a lot of breadwinning women that they're just, they're spent, you know, they're tired, they're, they're worn out. So there's sort of, there's the technical challenges, the sort of, you know, logistical challenges of being a breadwinning woman. Um, you're bringing home the bacon, but then you're not relinquishing some of these other major responsibilities. Like this sounds crazy, but when she makes more, she actually does more housework. I think because she feels like she has to overcompensate in the housewifery you know, roles um, that are traditional and kind of outdated, but yet, you know, still um, something that she feels instinctively like she has to, to manage. And then I think there's also the fact that as women, no matter the fact that this is the 21st century and we're kicking ass in so many, you know, realms, you know, in the, in the corporate world, in the entrepreneurial world, in the financial world, we can afford to our, you know, whatever we want and raise a family with our, with our means. But yet I think as a woman, you still feel like you want to be taken care of in a way. And I'm not talking financially, but you want to feel like your partner can, you know, can swoop in and, and save the day if you need that kind of rescuing, whether it's emotional rescuing or um, whatever. And if you are the breadwinner as a woman, sometimes you can feel like you're doing it all and your guys just, hanging out, you know, and and that may be unfounded, but it's something that is psychological. And it, it, it's a lot of times, you know, women who are female breadwinners, they tell me, they, they kind of look at their husband and they think, what do I need you for? (laughs) You know, it's, it, that's kind of an extreme place to be in, but it's, um, I think a place where it's easy to fall into. Um, if, if his roles are not redefined, if he's not bringing home the big, you know, the, the, the big paycheck, um, he has to be doing something of significance that is of value and really for her is like the most important thing. So you don't get into these p- positions of feeling resentful or, um, you know, not quote unquote taken care of, which I think as a woman, you, you know, you still want that. It's, it's call it, you know, mad men esque, but it's, it is a vulnerable thing that I think all women kind of still want in their relationships just like men i think still want to feel like the hero sure. in, in the relationship yeah you know and and look i've i haven't been with many women and i'm not married and i have no position to talk about any of this but uh i think this idea that you know it, it look relationships are i suppose supposed to be a give and take right so the one side is you know as, as far as with women if if you are the breadwinner and your guy's not doing jack shit um that's that's bad, right? That's bad no matter what. That that's that works on both bad sides. On both sides, right? Yeah. So if you're you know if you're a breadwinner and you're a guy and your wife is home uh, watching Honey Boo Boo reruns and, and <laughs> eating you know whatever, it's like you're gonna have that same issue. Like, why do I need you here? What do you do for right. me? Uh, and I think yeah. for men, it's particularly and I and I and I'm generalizing here. And of course, when you generalize, you're wrong. Uh-huh, but yeah. um, you know, generally speaking, some men. Um, for them, you know, their sense of purpose in a relationship derives from financially supporting the family. And and this isn't just, you know, them kind of their internal wiring. Like society still expects men to be able to support a family primarily. We don't have that ex- same expectation from women. So there's this pressure, right, for guys to to step up financially within their relationship and be the breadwinner. And when that's not required of them or they're not in that role, um, they can start to feel like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, they can start to lose their sense of purpose. And, um, and I think, so that's also where 
perhaps she can feel like she's taking on too much. And, and he maybe want, he wants to help. He wants to be there for her, but he doesn't know how. So together they have to figure that out. And sometimes that conversation doesn't happen and then relationships fall apart. I mean, that's why I wrote the book. When she makes more, there's a higher chance for divorce, a higher chance for infidelity. So there's On what side though? Uh, on both sides. Okay. On both sides. I think um, the study that I reference in the book um, highlights sort of the men, you know, the likelihood that if there's an income disparity, the greater the income disparity between her and him, um, he's more likely to cheat. What? But yeah, yeah. And I, and, and I say, and I think, you know, in talking to the researchers and talking to therapists about why this is, it's because men are seeking validation, you know, in your relationship, if you uh. don't feel validated and for again, again, I can't say this enough, you know, men generally speaking feel validated from, you know, their ability to provide financially in a relationship. Um, and if they don't feel valid because they're not the breadwinner or they're not working, I think that, and if she at the same time, you know, doesn't value him, then of course he's going to try to find his, you know, even if it's just, you know, short lived, he's going to try to find validation elsewhere. Yeah. I don't see I might be a little bit different here because to me, and I, and I, again, I've not, I've never been in this situation, so I don't know how I would actually react in the situation. But uh, to me, if you have a sugar mama, you keep that sugar mama, right? <laughs> you, you want you, that's a good thing. And you know what? As, and, and for me, like I would say, I have no problem with uh, the woman in the relationship making more money. And of course, I would have to. Do, I would feel the need to do something, right? I, 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 you know, okay, yes, I'm not making as much as you. I might be working more hours than you, and I'm mm-hmm. going to feel maybe less, uh, just kind of like a little bit down about it. I guess in any situation, like if I was living with a roommate and he was a guy and he was making more money than me, working less hours, I'm going to be like, oh, I would, I would, it would force me to do more or to, to or to, you know, uh, try to better myself because there's that competition. Is that is that something that's common, or is it more like the guy just puts his hands up, like, "Well, my wife makes no. more. I'm going to do." Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think it just depends on the person. I think that certainly I've interviewed a number of men who um, say that their wife's ambition and, and income inspires them to yeah. work hard. And um, I'll be the first to say, as the breadwinner in my marriage, I look forward to the day that my husband outpaces me financially because. I think that's healthy for a relationship, for couples to kind of experience um, what it feels like to make more and to make less. And, and then so when you make less, you might be prioritizing other things that you want to um, prioritize at the time in your relationship. You know, the fact that I make more means I have to continue bringing home that paycheck to support our family. And that mm. means having a full-time nanny. That means not seeing my son, you know, as much as I'd like. And maybe... Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, not working or working less for a while and having my husband, you know, take over. And I think that that needs to be fluid in every relationship and that expectation should be there. And I, so to answer your question, yeah, there are definitely some guys who are mobilized and inspired to, you know, I actually interviewed, um, Mariah Carey's ex, well, he's not her ex yet, but, um, oh gosh, what's his name? What is Um, his name? Uh, America's uh, Got Talent. Yeah. Oh my host. God, Matt. You uh, know all. I know. How are you? Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, I'm thinking of the uh, episode of Chappelle's Show where his new dad is that guy. Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon. Okay. So <laughs> Nick Cannon. Wait, they're getting a divorce. Well, that's the rumor. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Don't. Is, is isn't he like 30 years younger than her? 
Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. And yeah. then there's the fact that she's like Mariah Carey and sure. she makes, she's worth like a billion dollars or whatever. And, and he does very well. I mean, he's not like a pauper, but he, um, I asked him when I interviewed him, I said, cause he's talked about it openly, you know, what's it like being married to a bajillionaire and someone not only who makes more, but is clearly like way more famous and, and respected in her, in her career. Yeah, I mean, and, what's it like being married to the woman in glitter? I mean, that's right. the first, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's that. Um, and he said, you know what? She I, she inspires me to get up every day and, and try to make some of that, quote, Mariah money. Huh. But, you know, ultimately their relationship's been reported to be on the rocks. And I don't know what it's over, but um, I, part of me thinks it's it's something to do with, you know, the the finance, the finances. You know, it's it, there are very in the public eye, I mean, the first thing that happens when a woman wins an Oscar is she usually dumps her guy, you know, or like, think about really? it, Reese Witherspoon, um, and others who've gone on to win Oscars. I mean, like the next headline you hear about is how their marriage or their relationships on the rocks. Is it cause guys with Oscars are better in bed? <laughs> no, I think it's cause women with Oscars, Maybe, you know, their guys can't, you know, handle it. The fact is men, you know, sometimes do get emasculated from this. And yeah. it's not a coincidence, I think, that we see studies showing that um, men who make less um, have uh, invest more in um, performance-enhancing drugs. That's and, interesting. Yeah. Penis pills. Yeah. Penis pills. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's just put it out <laughs> let's there. Just, let's call it what it is. <laughs> let's just call it what it is. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a boatload of complexities to, huh. to say it lightly and emotional and, you know, psychological complexities that doesn't, that, you know, these things don't come up necessarily when he makes more. So going back to your first question, you know, this is why the book was relevant. Mm. See, I, I, I think the exception to the rule there is Stedman, right? Cause I mean, he's not making Oprah money and yet he's still around. No one can make Oprah money, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. She has her own television network. Uh, I want to ask about the 10 rules. Mm-hmm. You have to, I don't, I don't, you know, you don't have to give all 10 rules, but what are, what are some of them like the bigger, you know, maybe lesser known rules of when she makes more? Well, I think for your listeners, I think the most, one of the more relevant ones and probably the, the, the least practiced and, and this is good for, I think, any couple is with where there's income disparity is to give the person who's making less, in this case him, mm-hmm. give his money meaning. Because, and I speak from this um, personally too, in my relationship, I think in the beginning there were, um, we had issues with kind of, you know, who should buy what and, and how to make spending decisions together. And I think for him, my husband, you know, uh, he struggled with speaking up and saying, you know, let's, here's where we should go on vacation and here's how much we should spend on our wedding because a lot of it was coming from my paycheck. He didn't feel like he had a voice. And, and that's, you know, partly it was my fault because I wasn't like engaging him probably as much as I should have, but also his own insecurities too. And um, so what we've done deliberately to, uh, to avoid that is to understand that, well, of course I make more. So, you know, certain things I'll just pay for because it's easier, like the day-to-day stuff, the mortgage, you know, the garage, the car payments, but he, his money is significant too. And it shouldn't be overlooked. It shouldn't just kind of like go pay for things willy nilly. Like we need to be really deliberate about how we allocate his income so that it gives it meaning and that he can look back on that and say, 
you know, I'm a big contributor to this marriage and our goals, even though I make less. So how do we do that? We make sure that he is, you know, my husband funds our child's college education primarily. Um, that's one thing. Another thing is he pays for vacations. And another thing is, um, you know, uh, he is fully maximizing his 401k at work. Um, right. But wouldn't you want to fully maximize his 401k at work? Why? I don't know. I'm thinking I would, I would, I would say that, uh, in order for, you know, if, if he's, if there's this issue there, right. Of what money goes where and how it works, uh, more of your money, I guess, would go into investing for the future and, Mm -hmm. and his money can go in for the things that are happening now. Is that well, a thing? Here's what couples – I mean that's what we've decided. Okay. But I don't think this has to work for every couple. The point is is that you are, are t- talking about how you want your money to work. You know, And mm-hmm. for him, like he gets a lot of um, – uh, just you know, he's, he's happy to do to, – to pay for these things in the, that are more you know, like in the long term. Um, because the point is is like you know, I think – it's huge, right? He can look back on it and say, I, I sent my kids to college. That's huge. Yeah. You know, and for as far as retirement goes, you know, I'm doing as much as I can for for me and we, we have a brokerage account, but he at his, you know, he, my husband, when we got together, he was a little bit behind on retirement savings. And yeah, I could have like, you know, helped him fill the gap, but then it's like, you know, that's, that's a lot of responsibility for me. Yeah. And I mm. feel like, you know, it's good. It's a good lesson for him to, to be serious about retirement and, when we become 65, 67 and we want to like call it quits with work, I, I don't want to have that burden of having to, you know, continue to support us. You know, I, I think he should have done his fair share as well. And I think so that's that was our decision, though. You know, I think for couples, when you're deciding on how to give each other's money meaning, that's a personal conclusion, you know. But so I'm just giving us you our example of how sure. we've done that. So I really like that, and uh, <clears throat> I think I might try that with uh, my wife because we we had done like a proportional thing where if the rent was X, but the total portion of the income uh, that I make is this, so I'll pay my share, she'll pay her share, I make more, so I figured it, it'd be less painful, but the, the math isn't as meaningful, I guess, as the purpose. But I guess my question is for you, wh- what about like the reverse side of it? Um, I, I bring in uh, the vast majority of the money, and I, what I've seen happen is that, like, my wife Laura, she she won't want to really spend, or she won't feel comfortable, mm. you know, going and buying a thing because she doesn't make as much. Like, how how do you make that part okay? Yeah. So in the book, I talk about leveling the financial playing field. It's a big rule. Within that rule is giving each other's money meaning, but also within that rule is. Um, having yours, mine, and our accounts. So I find that a, a lot of couples um, will just pool all their money together, right. and that's considered, you know, to be the ro- most romantic way to <laughs> engage financially. Well, I wouldn't say that, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's ironic because you know the idea is to like, you know, we're in it together, we're in it to win it together, but that actually fuels a lot of tension, arguments, feeling like powerless ultimately because especially if there's a big income disparity, the person like you mentioned, you know, making less can feel awkward or unable, frankly, to spend um, freely. And that to avoid that, I say, you know, have a 
a bucket, a savings account, a checking account that from where you pool an equal percentage of your incomes into that bucket and that will pay for the expenses that you both have agreed that you want to contribute to, whether that's rent or food or whatever, and then reserve a percentage of your incomes for yourselves. That's like, you know, your money, no one's going to like, you know, ask you how you're going to spend that money. If you want to go, um, buy something frivolous, go for it. It's your money. You know, in other words, like you're the only person that's accountable to it. And I think that that allows each person in a relationship to maintain a level of financial autonomy, independence. It eliminates unnecessary fights and um, allows you to spend guilt-free. Hmm. I just, I, I'm just thinking what's, what's making me crazy here. Is is the idea that like I still feel like if you're the if you're the breadwinner you're in charge right No 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 Am I missing it Yes because okay and I don't fault you for thinking this way because okay. I think a lot of the, there's a perception out there and I think you know we're all guilty of this is that money equals power oh, because that's yeah. all we've heard like forever money sure. is power and in a relationship though it's really dangerous to, to have that mindset that money is power. Um, in a relationship, money should be a means to an end and money should be able to support both of your goals. Um, it should not mean that whoever makes more has the veto power, as I talk about in the book. In other words, you know, because right. I make more, I get to decide. I have the final say on you know, the decisions that this household makes with our money. I think that is... Um, a really, really unfair way to think about it. And I mean, it's probably why a lot of these relationships don't ultimately work out is because the person who makes more feels entitled um, to, to call the shots. And I think that is just absurd. You know, I think you have, but again, it's like something that is subconscious sometimes. And we have to remind ourselves like, okay, wow, I'm, I'm overstepping my boundaries and I really need to remember that I'm in a team, you know, and I'm in a partnership. And while I might make more, that doesn't mean that my partner's income is insignificant or not of value. You know, like we have talked about earlier in the day, earlier in the, in the conversation, you might make more, but your partner works more hours, you know, mm -hmm. it just, and sometimes income is, is arbitrary. Like, you know, we, in this country, we value certain occupations more than others. And that's, you know, subjective. It's like, why, sh you know, teachers make $30,000 a year, whereas like, you know, some guy who makes an app, you know, that is yeah, it's a billion arguably app. frivolous, you know, becomes an overnight Angry millionaire. Birds. Yeah. Right. Angry Birds <laughs> or, um, you know, silly or apps like that. But so it's, so I think it's, we have to remind ourselves of that. Like just because I make more doesn't mean that I'm a better person or that I have a, a better judgment in making decisions. Sometimes it's just a matter of circumstance. Right. And yeah, I, I wonder, uh, cause you mentioned like, do you talk about it all in the book that how to know when to cut your losses? In what ways? In, uh, all right. So in the way that you are the breadwinner and you are trying to work things out, you are trying to, you know, mm. uh, find, you know, uh, work that the husband can do, uh, to, you know, make his money feel validated or make him feel validated. And at a certain point, um, everything you've tried maybe isn't working. And how do you know when it's not? Right. I think uh, when you feel like there just isn't going to be any kind of, you know, 
I don't like to use the word compromise, but right. like the part your partner or isn't you, playing with the same team. Yeah, like I think that the most successful couples in relationships where there's income disparity, particularly when she makes more, mm-hmm. are the ones who really abandon these kind of general expectations. You know, they don't they don't design their relationship based on well, I'm the man, so I need I need to be able to do this in order to feel fulfilled, and you're the woman, so you, you know I you should do this and. I think that couples who ultimately just think of it as like, you know what, we're in this together, it's a, it's teamwork, and like life is going to hit us in every which way direction unexpectedly sometimes, and we just have to be ready for it and roll with the punches. And that may mean that sometimes you make more and I make less. Sometimes I won't work. Sometimes I'll work four jobs, and you know, we'll just, we're just going to pull up our sleeves and do what we have to do. And if there isn't that willingness and that dedication to quote unquote, do what it takes, Mm -hmm. if you don't sense that from your partner, that they're just kind of insistent on a certain format for the relationship, I think that's, um, it's ultimately a, a, you know, doomed a dead end. Yeah. Yeah. And is there a way, I guess it's just all about communication at that point. It's just opening up. It's all about communication. Right. I mean, it's uh, easy to say, you know, yeah. talk about it, blah, blah, blah. But um, it's, it is, it, there, it's wonderful when you do. It's wondrous when you do. It's amazing what comes out of talking. You know, mm-hmm. people take it for granted sometimes, you know, they just feel like, because I think they're worried that when they talk it out, they'll end up arguing. And I think sometimes arguing is constructive, you know, as long as you argue, there's a way to argue well, you know, it's, it's, it's about, you know, Maybe you disagree for 90% of the conversation, but at the end, you make some, you, you talk about moving forward and what steps you can take. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a study that shows that kids growing up in, in households where mom and dad argue about money, it's not the arguing that kind of screws them up when they get older. It's the fact that mom and dad often left things unsettled. Interesting. You know, so it's okay to like hash it out, even if it means, um, I mean, I don't say like, don't start throwing chairs, but like, you know, if you're dis, don't be worried about disagreeing and don't be afraid to go there, right. but, um, be committed to like at the end of that saying, okay, well we obviously, you know, can't agree, but what can we, you know, agree on? Like, what are the, what's the one thing we can move forward with here? And if right. that means getting counseling, then that's a step forward. I wonder if, uh, this is something just jumped into my head. I wonder if these things apply to same-sex couples. I actually talk about same-sex couples in the book because I think that while they have their own set of challenges in terms of, you know, um, money and relationship and, and, but I think that there's a lot we can learn from same-sex couples. And there was a big Atlantic cover story um, around the time that I was researching my book about what we can learn from, from gay marriage Mm -hmm. and, um, the takeaway was basically kind of that in a same-sex relationship, there are no gender expectation, gender role expectations, right? It's really all about partnership and 50-50. And, um, and so when you can eliminate kind of that gender role expectation, like so much can come out of that, like so much cooperation and, and reason can come out of it when it comes to decisions like, who's going to do certain housework or how to um, structure your life together. I think, um, and so I, I interviewed some, some same sex couples for the book, specifically for the chapter on 
housework because um, I think that's where a lot of times, like I'd mentioned earlier, when she makes more, she feels like she has to do more housework because she's in her head trying to overcompensate for a role that she feels is over mask is kind of masculine, you know, as the breadwinner, she feels maybe um, she's wearing the pants and she doesn't like that. So she wants to prove to her mate that she's not a threat to him and will come home after a 10 hour day, 12 hour day and like cook a casserole and make dessert and put on, you know, lipstick and, and just try to like be that 1950s housewife. It's crazy, but it's happening and that you don't find that in same sex relationships. You know, you don't find um, someone coming home and feeling like they have to prove themselves as a, a man or a woman in, yeah. in a traditional way. Do you think they're better poised to succeed because they're, they don't have like, quote unquote, traditional roles to, to slip into? Um, perhaps. Yeah. I think that is one thing that does hold back a lot of modern, um, you know, male, female relationships where, you know, again, we like, we have these very 21st century lives with that are very progressive in many ways, financially. Um, and, you know, in terms of, we're, you know, the, our, our, um, the way we are structuring our lives together. Some people aren't even <clears throat> getting married, but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, that little voice in your head that insists that because you're a woman, you know, you should have, you shouldn't have to take on all this responsibility financially. And as a man, you know, you, you want to, I think, um, that can sometimes hold us back from really working together. And I think, you know, again, but same sex couples have their own challenges, um, that I don't really know a lot about, mm -hmm. but I feel like, you know, there are pros and cons <laughs> to each, right. um, but we can learn a lot from each other. Hmm. So, uh, in, in the beginning of the interview, you said that, uh, you know, you look forward to the day that your husband makes more and, uh, you know, then, then the roles can switch. Um, and, and I just want to, I kind of want to say like, do you? Really look forward to that because I mean, even though you know you may not you know act on the the quote unquote power that you have by making more, it it does scratch an itch within. I mean, I'm guessing it must for you because you've driven yourself to earn more. Right. Well, I don't think that um, by saying that, I don't mean to say that. I look forward to the day where I just sit on my ass. <laughs> Honey you know? boo boo all day. Right. No, I look forward to him mostly experiencing what it feels like because, uh, you know, what it feels like to provide substantially and more, you know, and, and primarily for a family. I think there's a lot of pride that goes into that. Sure. Not power. I mean, power certainly um, is part of it, but I don't act on that, you know, but there's a sense of pride. There's a sense of real accomplishment and, um, and I, and I would like for my husband to feel that, you know, I think certainly he feels that in his own way, but there's something that, about being a breadwinner that is totally awesome. And I think that it's cool for each person in the relationship to experience that at some point. And for me, you know, it's not about dialing it down entirely, but I would love to, um, kind of, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure too, that goes along with being a breadwinner. You know, I worry a lot about, um, income mm -hmm. and supporting my family and uh, not that I would completely abandon those worries. I think if I wasn't a breadwinner, but I think it would be mitigated by the fact that I have a partner who can, you know, fill you know, come in and, and pay the mortgage if I can't one month. Sure. You know? 
I want to talk about this overcompensation of extra work. That mm-hmm. that fascinates me. Uh, yeah. Are, is that so, are you somebody like that? <laughs> I I will admit that I'm a real neat freak, and um, it's part of my being a Type A personality. I think you know I can't focus unless I am in a clean environment, and I think that's part of my my upbringing as a, as a young girl, I remember my mom, like literally teaching me how to load a dishwasher when I was four and my dad actually coming over and being like, what are you doing? Like she's four. And my mother, my mother said to him, she has to learn, you know, in other words, like, I don't know if she meant like she's a woman, so she has to learn, but it was something that was important for my mother to pass down to me. I have a brother who didn't know what a laundry hamper was until like two years ago. Oh my God. um, Because he never had to do his own laundry, you know? And so that was um, clear for me. That was like a, just, you know, an obvious um, difference in how we were raised as, as a woman and as a man by the same mother. And so I grew up with this conditioning that, you know, I have to always make my bed. I have to always have a clean space. And so, I mean, between me and my husband, I'm definitely a lot neater. Um, and I'm, I joke, he jokes that I like, I chase him around the house with like 409. Yeah. But <clears throat> that is more about me being kind of, I guess. That's who you are. Need freak. That's who I am. I don't do it to like prove to him that I'm not a threat to him financially. Right, right. Um, but remember, at the same time, we're just, we get so many mixed messages, women, because we get so many mixed messages in terms of, you know, this whole having it all campaign is such bullshit because, you know, having it all means being able to like, you know, pursue your career to the nth degree if you want. But don't forget too that, you know, um, there's work when you get home and there are lots of magazines and, and food network shows that encourage women to make the perfect meal for their husband when they get home like barefoot contessa yeah i you know i love that show but also it's like at the end of the day it's like what is the message here this woman just cooks all day for her husband if she was making me that many meals i'd be like come on just can we just can we just go out to pizza one night (laughs) um and like i love giada but she was cooking for her you know she did a whole show about like cooking my and i think that's great i mean i think um i love cooking for my husband but it's like you know, at some point you have to balance those two worlds and not go off. You can't be a hundred percent committed to both things at the same time. And I think when you, but so for so many women, I think that's what they strive for. And and that is going to be just a recipe for disaster. No pun intended. Yeah. I think I'm so much different than what's typically out there as far as the way guys are, you know, portrayed in these relationships where the woman makes more, because to me, like, Personally, I love cooking. I'd much rather do the cooking for my wife or significant other rather than the other way around. And that's not emasculating to me. That's just something that I I personally enjoy doing it. I know how to – you know, I've lived by myself for years. I know how to do my own laundry. I know how to do my own dishes. I know how to clean. I know how to Mm -hmm. vacuum. I don't vacuum as much as I should, but I know how to do it. I know how to iron my clothes, right? I don't expect anybody to do that for me because that's just how I am. Like I'm, I'm just a very uh, independent person, and I think that I might be okay in a situation where she makes more. I think you will. I think that's kind of the the good news is that as as a you're a millennial, right? I am a millennial. You are. 
Barely. a lot of listeners uh, are millennials born between 1980 and, you know, um, I guess it's like now. 2000. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm right on the cusp of millennial Gen X. And I think that a lot of people ask me, you know, so is this just going to be like a sad story forever? Like, are we ever going to see this change in uh-huh. terms of, you know, male, female expectations? And certainly I think it's get, we're getting closer and closer to kind of like the promised land where you can actually marry for love and be in a relationship. It doesn't matter who makes more. Everyone just, you know, both couples, both male, female, they feel in it to win it. And I, it, it's particularly uh, true for millennial generation, gener- people from that generation mm-hmm. who were raised um, to be go-getters male and female. There wasn't, um, you know, I think we were raised with very, with very progressive minded parents and, um, there's a lot of transparency now that there just wasn't before in terms of how people are living and we're sharing a lot more. So, um, I think, you know, and with the help of hopefully my book, I think there's going to hopefully be a time where, um, the, the millennials are really gonna, you know, pave the way here and hopefully look back and we'll think of this as like, you know, something that we totally defeated. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope we get there. And I think we're seeing that turn. And it's starting with the younger generation. Right. I agree. Do you think um, – do you have any advice for women who maybe aren't the breadwinners but want to become one? Yeah. I think, you know, what's exciting about being, um, you know, anybody, male or female, who's making less or nothing is that – Um, with one good idea and a commitment to that idea and, you know, leveraging the power of the internet and social media and your networks and um, getting out there and meeting people, you can, you know, start a home-based business. You can start, I mean, I'm starting a podcast in the new year. Like you guys, you've inspired me to take my business to the next level. And I mean, you can go from obscurity to, you know, being um, the, a leader in your in your market not overnight but you know over good time and so I, there's a lot of inspiration out there like grab onto that and use that to get you to you know pursue a passion with um with you know maybe your if you have a nine to five like your five to nine hours yeah, <laughs> you know or yeah. weekends. uh and um yeah, I guess, you know, entrepreneurship is really where it's at and it doesn't mean you have to become the next you know, Farnoosh. Well, I'm not. I was going to say Martha Stewart. <laughs> Martha Stewart. <laughs> Oprah. Oprah. But you, you know, you can you can have your own piece of that pie and and be very successful, and you can do it from home. And yeah. um, I think for a lot of women listening, um, who are not the breadwinners, and maybe they're you know they're they have families. This is like the internet has really broken down barriers to earning more and sure. earning easily. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can totally attest for that. So, uh, where can people find your book? You can go to Amazon. Okay. Um, and uh, you can learn more about the book at whenshemakesmore dot com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a giveaway. Oh. Yes. Um. So if you go to farnoosh dot tv, which okay. is my blog. Okay. Slash free book. All one uh, word. Yes, okay, all one cool. word. Um, opt in, and I'm going to pick a free win- a winner to win a free book. So um, a signed copy. So don't miss out. Sweet. And where can people find you? I mean, you have farnoosh.tv, right? Right. That's uh, my you- blog. Cool. Are you on social media? I'm sure you I are. I am, at 
Farnoosh on Twitter. Oh, you got the good name. I got it like 2000, so I don't know, eight or nine. Oh, uh, uh, you got in early. I know, I know. But a lot of people mistake me for Farnoosh Brock, who's this, um, I get like tweets that's like, and she's, she's in like the, she's a yogi and like uh-huh. a health care expert, health expert. So I get a lot of tweets. that's like, Farnoosh, I loved your recipe for kale salad or something like that. Or Farnoosh, <laughs> I loved your like yoga pose on Instagram. I'm like, thank you. Was- oh, you yeah. should just say thank you. Yes. <laughs> right, 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 right. It was hard to do, but I did it. Yeah. So I'm not Farnoosh Brock, but I am, um, at, you, I can be found at, at Farnoosh. Cool. As a, a Facebook anywhere or just, uh, Far- yeah. Facebook.com slash Farnoosh. Robbie. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. Oh, it's my pleasure. I hope this was uh I hope this was fun. Yeah, it's eye-opening and, and I, I love the uh the psychology behind this stuff because I think it's that's all like, mental. Yeah, it's so important. Uh so yeah, if you guys have questions uh about any of this stuff, we'd be happy to answer them and maybe pass them along. Uh just email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the show. You know what to do. If not, I'm going to tell you. Just hit subscribe. And it doesn't matter what, what podcast app you're listening to us on. Uh, I use the iTunes app that comes with the iPhone because iPhone's the best phone ever. And if you have an Android phone, you know how I feel about you. Uh, <laughs> we love everyone equal. We love everyone equally. Yes. That <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> go, and, go and just hit subscribe. And if you really like the show... Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I think they're the only two places you can leave reviews, but they're great. And uh, if you do leave a review, send us an email to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com, and we will send you some fun stuff. Uh, And uh, today's review comes from Seth in Memphis uh, from the United States. Obviously, Memphis. Uh, Great podcast, five stars. I love this podcast. It's helping me achieve one of my primary goals in life, which is to actually think less about money. Which is ironic. I don't want money to make my decisions for me, so I need to learn how to run it. This podcast makes financial education palatable. So thanks, guys, for allowing me to one day, hopefully soon, be able to not think about money. So thank you, Seth in Memphis. That is a wonderful review and uh, actually pretty pretty interesting. Uh, and I agree. I don't want to think about money. Unfortunately, I have to think about it every time we record a podcast uh, or or do the research (laughs) for it or write a blog post or an email. My whole life, it's consumed by money um, and not in the good way where I have lots of it and I don't know what to do with it. Uh, But if you guys uh, please leave a review and listen, you can go to our website. It's listenmoneymatters.com and check out listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox for all of our things that we mentioned on the show, all of our book recommendations, and we'll have uh, Farnoosh's book up there uh, ASAP. You can find it there. And of course, uh, you can go to farnoosh.tv slash free book, right? That's the that's the uh, URL. Yes. Excellent. And Farnoosh, thank you so much again for being on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. And of course, we look forward to the next episode. So later. Later, man. Tell your friends about this show.